Hi, this is Joel Scrivener, pastor of Oaks Church in McKinney, Texas. And I wanted to say thank you so much for listening, sharing, and supporting our podcast. I know that today's message is going to inspire you, challenge you, and empower you to fearlessly follow Jesus like never before. Before we get to the message, I want to encourage all of you who live locally to go online and sign up for one of our backyard barbecues this summer. Oaks Barbecues are your best opportunity to meet and make new friends at Oaks Church. To see all the available groups and sign up, visit oakschurch.com forward slash groups. Now, let's check out today's message. Good morning, everybody. Thank you. Thank you. You may be seated. Hey, that's my dad right there. Well, I love you guys. It's a dream for me to be up here today. It's a dream to uh, release my book and, and write a book. And, and I hope it impacts you like it impacted uh, me. Uh, I have a, some people like it. Maybe some people don't, but they don't tell me about it. The people that like it tend to tell me. Uh, I have, my, the biggest compliment to me has been the reaction from 50 to 70 year olds um, that, that love it, which, which is awesome. Uh, I have one lady that's read it three times. That lady is my mom. Uh, she just finished it <laughs> yesterday. Um, but we're gonna go ahead and continue with this series on Empower. Uh, but before we really start today, I, nobody has empowered me in my life um, outside of my parents and, and my wife, um, like Pastor Joel and Jennifer. And I mean, it's so fitting to be up here and speak a message on empowerment when you've been empowered. And there's no leader, literally no leader like these two. And that's the reason um, that I'm here today uh, as we continue this series on empowerment. But I'm going to pray and then we'll go ahead and get, oh, oh, I forgot about this. I forgot. Um, don't throw it up yet. I've, so I started interning with Pastor Joel when I was 18 years old, 13 years ago. Um, and I interned with him for about four or five years and then started working under him for the last seven, eight years. And um, I, I'm gonna show you a picture of what we looked like 13 years ago. Uh, so, go ahead, go ahead and throw it up. I know you guys got it. You got it? You got it. It says PJ and BC. Oh, don't, don't do me like that, guys. Don't do me. <laughs> Whatever. They're gonna find it. I'm gonna give you, you give me a thumbs up. I'm gonna pray, Father, in the name of Jesus, remind me about that picture later. Everybody wants to see it. If we do not show it today, I will throw it on Instagram and Facebook for everybody to see. You will find it. It is under service pictures in the Dropbox. In Jesus' name, give us eyes to see, ears to hear, and a willing heart to understand. In Jesus' name, and everybody said, Amen, amen. Well, I heard an interesting story a couple years ago and it really dumbfounded me. And it's about a guy that played the lottery. And I recently played the lottery for the very first time Friday just so I could get a ticket. If I can find this ticket, I got a 20, I got a phone, and I have a ticket. Here it is, all right. This will all make sense a little bit later. But a, a guy one was playing the lottery and he would play every Friday. And he had his set of numbers that he would always play. And one particular day, all the numbers matched up. And the winnings was for $77 million. 
All he had to do was take this ticket in, turn it in, write his name on the back, and he would be the proud winner of $77 million. Here's the crazy part. By the end of the deadline day, he never showed up, he never turned in his ticket, and that ticket went from being worth $77 million to just being a useless piece of paper. When I think about this story, I think about potential. You know, every single person in here has potential. You might be 30, you might be 70, but you still have potential. If you're breathing, you have potential, you have purpose, you have a reason. But potential is a lot like milk. It's a lot like fruit, it's a lot like produce. It does not last forever. Potential is not a Twinkie, okay? It doesn't last forever, it's not a piece of artwork. It will expire. The works and achievements that are designed for your life will pass you by if you don't take hold of them. It's been said like this, potential is God's gift to you. What you do with it is your gift to him. Mark Twain once told a story about a man, and it's a fictional story, but there was a man that was looking for the greatest general that ever lived. And he searched the earth for this general, he searched his town, his state, his country, he could not find the man. So the man went to heaven, he went to the pearly gates, he found St. Peter, he said, St. Peter, hey, my name's Kevin, I'm looking for somebody, I'm looking for the greatest general of all time. St. Peter said, I know just the man, he's already here. Takes them along the pathway, they're walking around, along the golden streets and passing by all these, you know, the fruit of the month club, you know, if you haven't read Revelation, it's, the heaven's got fruit of the month, like it changes every single month. Some of y'all are not excited about that, you do not eat fruit, but it's gonna happen. So they're walking the streets and St. Peter points to this man. He said, Kevin, you see that man right there? Kevin said, St. Peter, I do. He said, that is the greatest general that ever lived. And Kevin said, St. Peter, I knew that man. He was a cobbler. He wasn't even a general. He wasn't a soldier. He was, he was just a normal dude. But St. Peter looked at Kevin. He said, Kevin, but if he was a general, he would have been the greatest general of all time. You know, one of the most important discoveries in life is recognizing the value within you. Everyone wants to own things of value and I can look throughout the crowd and I can see clothing and I can see purses and I can see shoes and, and maybe we wanna own a specific car. Everybody wants to own things of value. We want a certain portfolio, we want a certain amount of money in the bank, but few of us feel valuable on our own two feet. I don't know about you, but I've noticed a lot of people that don't believe in themselves. They get really nervous, they don't think they have the goods, they feel like they have a significant fear of failure, and most people just don't feel like they have what it takes. King David wrote about your value. Psalms chapter 139, verse 13 through 18, he said this, talking about God, he said, you made all the delicate inner parts of my body, and you knit them together, in my, or knit me together in my mother's womb. Thank you for making me so wonderfully complex. Your workmanship is marvelous and how well I know it. You watched me as I was being formed in utter seclusion as I was woven together in the dark of the womb. You saw me before I was born. Every day of my life was recorded in your book. Now when we read this, 
Sometimes our eyes can gloss over. We're just like, of course God's like this, but I want you to really put yourself in this verse. Every moment of my life was laid out before a single day had passed. How precious are your thoughts about me, O oh God. They are innumerable. I can't even count them. Now I want you to think about the last time you were at the beach. They outnumber the grains of sand. And even though you know all about me, when I wake up, you are still with me. You're still with me. It's amazing that God has this incredible view of us and sometimes we don't have that view of ourselves. Let me ask you a question. Has anyone in here, have you ever been in a fight? Okay, don't lie. Okay, ladies, I know a whole lot more of you have been in more fights than you are letting on. Um, a lot of people have been in a fight. I've only been in one fight. Thankfully, I am more of a lover than a fighter. That is why I attach myself to Joel Scrivener. I never have to fight. I know one move, I'll take you out. Within 10 seconds, you won't even know what hit you. So, that's all I need. That's all I need. You forgot that you taught me that 13 years ago and has not taught me one fighting move since. So, uh, when I was 14 years old, uh, I'm an only child, and I was all boy, and I loved to wrestle. So I would wrestle with my dad, and we'd fight, and we'd horse around in the room. And I am very competitive by nature. I like to win. Um, I turn into the devil sometimes uh, when I play sports. I think I've gotten a whole lot better than I used to be, but I wanted to win. I remember on this specific occasion, we started in the living room, and we start, you know, there's two places you don't hit, your face, and then another place, right? So anything goes except for those two places. We start in the living room, we dance around to the hall, and then we go, we start making our way through the house. And I remember I landed the perfect push. Normally a push is just a push, but this specific push was perfect, okay? It was like Mortal Kombat, it just worked out perfectly. And I pushed my dad into the wall. This is bad, okay. But instead of just hitting the wall, he went through the wall. And I was expecting him to yell at me like, "You, what is going on? Why did you do this? But instead, he looked at me, I looked at him. We were like, what's gonna happen next? Okay, on the other side of the story is my mom. My mom is working out in the other room. My mom is currently uh, in the baby's room volunteering in, in kids' ministry. And my mom's the sweetest lady. But I was wondering, okay, what's mom gonna say? The same thing that he was thinking. So she comes out of the room, she's been working out, she sees what happened, and he got in trouble. <laughs> Marriage, am I right? One of the only times that it did not end up on me. But one of my favorite fighting stories is about a guy named Chuck. Now, Chuck Wepner was known as the Bayon Bleeder. And the way that he fought, he wasn't a finesse fighter. He would just use his weight, he would use his power, and he would overwhelm you. And he, his whole goal was I'm going to tire you out. And once you're tired, I'm gonna knock you out. Or we're gonna go the whole stretch, but I'm gonna outlast you. Well, Chuck keeps winning, he keeps going, and then one day he goes home, like Pastor Joel talked about last week, he answers his phone, it's in the kitchen, he got it, it's cord phone, he said, hello, this is Chuck. On the other side of the phone was Don King. Don King answers, he said, hey, Chuck, this is Don, you know me, okay, listen you're gonna fight for the heavyweight championship of the world against George Foreman. Now, a lot of your kids only know George Foreman because of the grill, but you remember George Foreman. You remember what a fantastic fighter he was. 
A few weeks later, Chuck is training. He gets another call from Don. He said, you know what? Things have changed. George Losh, you're actually going to fight the greatest fighter of all time, Muhammad Ali. So Chuck starts to train with Muhammad Ali in mind. The day before the fight, he goes to his wife, brings her a gift, brings her a gift of a pink negligee. He said, honey, tomorrow night, you're going to sleep with the world champ. Goes to the fight. Chuck goes toe-to-toe with Muhammad Ali. Round to round, nine rounds in, 10 rounds, 11 rounds. In the 11th round, he knocks Muhammad Ali down. Turns around to his trainer. He said, Al, get the truck. We're going to the bank. We're millionaires. Al looks at Chuck. He said, you better turn around because Muhammad Ali is getting back up. The fight went 15 rounds, and by split decision, you know who they gave the fight to. They gave the fight to Muhammad Ali. Chuck goes home, bloodied, beat up. His wife said, so do I go to his room or does he come to mine? (laughs) (laughs) Baby, don't ever say that to me. All right. (laughs) But on the other end of the TV screen was a struggling writer sitting in his living room and he's watching the fight round by round and by round and this inspiration hits and in his mind he says, there it is, that's it. For the next three days, he spends hardly sleeping, writing a movie script, which he normally does, but nobody's ever picked up a movie script from him. Takes it to the studios in Hollywood. They offer him an astounding 400 grand for the script. But he says, you know what? How about I play the lead character and I'll take a smaller fee, I'll just, and I'll become, I'll keep the owner's rights to the movie. And they said, yes. He got paid minimum wage, but because it was Chuck's story, they go to Chuck, they said, Chuck, do you want 1% of this movie or would you like $70,000 of the film's gross? Chuck, not really believing in the value of his story, said, you know what, I'll take the 70 grand. The writer was Sylvester Stallone. The movie was Rocky. Chuck's proceeds would have been $8 million just for that one movie. When you recognize the value of your life, you turn on the value of your life. Who you are is the greatest asset you will ever possess. You know, as we sit in the room today, I think one of the top fears, one of the top questions that we have about ourselves internally, and we may never voice it, but it's just this question, am I enough? Did God do a good job with me? Do I have what it You know, we all bring something to the table. Just to be transparent with you, this has been a battle for me. You know, I haven't always recognized my value. I haven't always confidence. Sometimes it was an easy thing. Sometimes I feel the most confident in the room. Sometimes I feel like I'm not the most confident in the room. But you know, confidence is everything. A person that is confident without Talent will always beat the more talented person without confidence. It's all about do you believe in how God created you to be? What if you realize that there is only one version of you? No one else has your fingerprint. When I was speaking at youth this past Friday, I had the kids look at their hands and look at their fingerprint And I said, no one else has the grooves, no one else has the lines, no one else has what you have, 
And studies have been shown to say the same thing about your voice. No one else has your voice. You're the only one that brings your voice and what you have to say to the table. There is only one of you and we need you to realize what you bring to the table. You know we hear it over and over and over, but what if we believed that you were a carrier of God's presence? That everywhere you went, when you went to work, when you go home, that you have the living spirit of the living God inside of you and you are much more than meets the eye. He doesn't leave you or forsake you. You have the same power as Jesus. You carry his name. Realize what you carry and who you are following. David wrote in Psalms chapter eight, verses three, about this, verse six, we'll read it. He said, when I look at the night sky and see the work of your fingers, the moon and the stars you set in place, what are mortals that you should think of us? Mere humans that you should care for us. Here's a key line. Yet you made us only a little lower than God. And you crowned us with glory and honor. You put us in charge of everything you made, giving us authority over all things. Now, for hundreds of years, there was a translation called the King James Version. It was one of the only English translations up to that time. In Psalm chapter 8, verses Five, where it says that you made us only a little lower than God, they actually wrote, yet you made us only a little lower than angels. These men that transcribed that version, they said there's no way that we are a little lower than God. Let's put angels. And most people have no idea about that. But when you look at that word in the Hebrew, it's the word Elohim. And that word Elohim is another name for God, it means strength and power, yet the translators seemed intimidated, but we carry his name and we're in the family. The man named Daryl, and Daryl was a security officer at the LA Forum, and one day he had five guitars, he went to the pawn shop, and he said, hey, what will you give me for this? The pawn shop uh, attendee looked at him, he said, you know what, I'll give you $250 for these five guitars. Daryl said, seems great to me. I'll go ahead, take the 250, you have the guitars. I'm $250 richer now. What the pawn shop owner did not know is these guitars belong to Tom Petty and the Heartbreakers. And Daryl was a security guard. Instead of guarding the guitars, he stole the guitars. He went up to the pawn shop, sold the guitars, took what he thought was the value of these guitars and sold them for a measly $250. The five guitars he stole were worth more than $100,000 combined. Talk about undervaluing the guitars. When you don't know the value of what you have in your hands, you will always get from it far less than what it is worth. Do you know the value of what you are holding who you are, what you have to your disposal. All right, here we go. Here's the money. I got 20 bucks. Who wants it? Wow, y'all are, it's 20 bucks. If you were like eight, you'd be like, oh my God. And you need 20 bucks a whole lot more now than you did when you were eight, you got bills. Jason, come back, come back, come back. All right, I'm gonna give this to you. But before I do, I'm gonna do this. You still want it, okay? 
Lucky I got my new shoes on. All right, I'm going to do this. Do you still want it? Why does he still want it? Because it never lost its value. You know, you as a human being never lose your value. All the different times in your life where you felt crumpled, stepped on, abused, undervalued, you went through hard time after hard time, abuse after abuse, curse after curse, people not buying into who you are, and there are many times in life where you didn't feel that valuable because of those experiences. But like that money, no matter what happens to you, your value never changes as a human being. When you recognize the value of your life, your life will become more valuable. Let me take this for landing. Let me take this one step further. What if you started recognizing the value in other people? What if you saw and spoke to the greatness inside of them? You know, there's two types of people. One type walks in a room and says, here I am. Let me all shook your head, man, I hate that person. The other person walks into the room and says, hey, there you are. There you are. I'm so happy to see you. One type says, here I am. The other says, there you are. When Abraham Lincoln was asked why he had become such a success, a great president, he said, I had somebody believe in me and I did not have the heart to let them down. What? Everybody has this. And I feel like this is just something because of what Pastor Joel did to me, I just do the same thing to others. There are people in your life that are just waiting for you to say something. And they have no idea they need you. They have no idea they need you to say something. But their whole life will change if you do. Their whole life will change if they feel empowered by you. There's a verse in Acts chapter 6, verse 1. And the apostles had a problem. Um, the 12 apostles, the secret was out. Jesus was in heaven. People were coming to them. They were being healed. They were being saved. They were being redeemed. The disciples, the Christians were multiplying, being added to every day. But the problem was everybody wanted a piece. And there was only 12 men. So what did they do? Acts chapter 6, verse 2 says this. So the 12 called a meeting of all the believers they said, we apostles should spend our time teaching the word of God, not administering a food program. Now look around among yourselves, brothers, and select seven men who are well-respected and are full of the Holy Spirit and wisdom. We will put them in charge of this business. Then we can spend our time in prayer and preaching and teaching the word of God. Verse five, everyone liked this idea. So they chose seven men. Let's jump to verse seven. The first line in verse seven, I love this. So God's message continued to spread. You know something that we all have in common? We have problems. We have problems come to us, right? When the apostles encountered a problem, you know what their solution was? They raised up leaders. They raised up people. They empowered the people around them. The key to becoming a great leader is this, empowering the people around you. No one man can do everything by himself, as you've seen by now. 
The key is in raising the people around you. And when you develop leaders, this is key. Give them freedom to fail. I could have failed today, but he gave me freedom to fail. <laughs> you can tell me if I did after. And room to rise. You know, if you don't give them freedom to fail, then people won't have room to rise, right? People need opportunity. If we don't give people opportunity, if we don't give them reps, if we don't give them belief, then they'll never grow because it takes pressure to grow. You know, we all want comfort, but we're not called to comfort ourselves. We can go to God for comfort. How do you grow? You grow by producing the tension in your life. If you want big muscles, what do you do? You do not do what I do, which is nothing. You go to the gym and you work out, right? You bench press, you do curls. Whatever it is that you want to do to grow, you increase the tension, the demand in your life. You have to do more than comfort yourselves. I'll close with this. I know I kind of started with this, but when I was 18 years old, and if you had the picture, just tell me. I just, I just want it up there. I want it. Today's the day. Today's the You have the picture? You have it? Yes. Put it up there. Please. Oh, my God. Now, this was 13 years ago. There was no editing pictures. See, I have red eye. I look like the spawn of Satan right there. Um, I was 18. He was my age now, basically. And I remember one time we went to lunch. I was 18 years old. I was a senior in high school. We went to Payway. I had never had Asian food in my life. I was robbed, okay? My parents didn't like Asian food. I went to Payway. I thought it was amazing. Now I think it is disgusting. But we went to Payway. Not disgusting, but my taste has changed. So, or the one by my house is horrible. So we go to Payway, and I brought a notebook, and I had questions, and I totally forgot about this. And I wanted, he calls it now that I interviewed him when I really was just trying to learn all that I could from him. I had somebody that I looked up to take a chance on me when I was 18 and then kept taking a chance on me every, every day, every week, every month. And ever since then, Probably the number one thing that I've been known for is just raising up leaders, empowering people. Because it's not all about me. It's not all about you. Raising up people makes you more valuable. We've all had people at our job, they might feel intimidated by us, they might not wanna be raise anybody up because they feel like if you can do it better than them, that your job is in jeopardy or their job is in jeopardy, but it's the opposite. The more people that you can empower, the more people that you can believe in, the more people that you can just see the greatness in and speak to, the better. There's a lady named um, Alice Freeman. She was the president of Wesley College. And she was nearing the age to retire. Her husband came to her and she said, Alice, honey, don't you wanna retire? Don't you wanna travel the world, just, just spend time together? We can just do all the things we've dreamed about, full time. And she said, honey, no. <laughs> she said, I don't wanna retire. She said, it's the people that count. When I touch a person, they touch a person, and so I never stop working because people touch people, and people touch people, and people empower people, and people empower people, and, and so I never stop working because 
I just saw the value in somebody else. You know, it's not my job to fill every single person's cup, but it is my job to empty my cup. It is my job. Because God sees the person that empowers people. He sees the person that knows that it's more than it's just about them. He said, you know what? I'm gonna add to that person. I'm gonna increase the capacity of that person. And because they're doing well with what I've given them, I'm gonna give them even more. You know, there's a parable of the talents in Matthew chapter 25, and, and I heard something the last month that Taylor brought to the table in staff meeting one day. And, and in the parable of the talents, Jesus gives three people talents, one five, one two, one one. And the person with five increases, doubles five, and he says, I'm gonna give that person five to 10. The person with two doubles, Jesus said, I'm gonna give that person two, I'm gonna double theirs. But the person with one didn't do anything. They just left their money in the bank. And you all know what happens if you just leave money in a bank, it doesn't really accrue that much interest, it doesn't really grow. And Jesus came back, he found that person that only had one and didn't do anything, what did he do? He said, what you have, I'm gonna give to somebody else. Because here's the key. Jesus calls being complacent and not multiplying failure. He said, if you're not multiplying, then you're not doing what I called you to do. If you're not empowering, you're not doing what I called you to do. See, the first step is recognizing your value because so many people don't speak to the greatness and other people because they don't think that they have what it takes. But once you get past that, man, you gotta start believing in people. And don't just believe, start to say it. Because near the end of your life, you're gonna start remembering the things that you didn't say, the things that you could have said, the things that you could have done. Find the ones that you need to develop. They may just recognize their value once you recognize it. You know, I've invested over and over and over, and guess what? It doesn't always take. Most of them don't take, but there are some that do take. And that's why it's worth it. Amen? Let me pray. Father, in the name of Jesus, Lord, we love you. God, we thank you that you saw something in us, that you created us, that you designed us. Lord, we know that we were your idea. God, help us to recognize our value. I pray that you start to pinpoint, highlight the people in our lives that we're called to invest in, that we're called to empower, that we're called to speak to the greatness to. And Lord, we thank you that you see goodness in us. And you call us to so much more. Help us to become the men and the women that you call us to be in Jesus' name. And if you believe it, receive it. Say amen. Amen. Thank you, guys. We hope this message has blessed your life. And if it has, we want to invite you to sow into what God is doing here at Oaks Church. It's as simple as going to oakschurch.com and clicking the Give button. On behalf of Oaks Church, thanks again for listening and have a great week.